Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I'm Jason, a guy that absolutely trusts in something. And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And following along with our spiritual principles, here we are. It's the fifth month, and we're going to talk about trust. What the hell is trust? I, I feel like, uh, you know, just at first examination, and this is subject to change over the course of our hour here, but I feel like I believe more in trust as an idea than I have in maybe the last couple of like willingness and courage and yeah. So do you have a like a definition of trust or do we have a well the the dictionary definition would be a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something, which doesn't say much. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was like, oh hell, that sums up. Yeah, okay. Uh. You know, that's as a noun, so that's interesting. As a verb, it's believe in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of. That doesn't tell me much either. So what is it different about that than, like, say, willingness or... Uh, it just surrender. seems more tangible. Like, there's... there's I can... I can't in any way measure willingness. I can't measure courage. And they don't seem to really translate into anything if I try to examine them too deeply. But trust, I don't know that I don't know that I can measure it necessarily, but there's like some sort of tangible evidence of it in action. Like I don't give somebody ten dollars as a loan if I'm not trusting that they'll give it back. Like I, hmm. I, there's actually a thing I will or won't do based on this level of trust. I can kind of see that, maybe. God, now you're making me wonder. Maybe yeah. trust isn't real either. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Thought I was on to well, something. I'm trying to think. Like they. So in that case, like it's trust leads to the willingness. Like you trust at least that they're going to pay you back. So you're willing to give them the money. Like, well, so here's the weird thing about that example. Like I don't loan money with the impression that I'm going to I get thought it that back. too. It was like me neither. Cause my trust is in, if I give someone money, I'm trusting that I don't need that money. Right. That's what I'm trusting in. I'm trusting right. I can survive without it and I'm okay with not getting it back. <laughs> right. That's the only trust I have there. Yeah. So then it seems like trust is the thought and the willingness is the action. Well, do, I mean, I, I trust you, but like, so trust is interesting. So like I, I trust different people for different things. Like, yeah, hundred percent. I trust my wife to take good care of my kids. And yet I don't necessarily trust her. If I say, Hey, there's this thing that I need you to take care of. And if it doesn't get taken care of, uh, they're going to chop my head off. Uh, she's probably not who I'm calling. Honestly. Yeah. Similar. <laughs> uh, you know, and I love my wife, but she's just not necessarily shown herself to be super thorough in that sense. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I learned that early on in recovery. Same principle is that, like, you don't 
trust everyone with everything. Mm-hmm. Like certain people are more reliable at certain things than other people. I always feel like, and and granted, you know, why would this situation ever occur? But if my kids ever got in a situation where they were like, oh my God, this person's going to shoot me if I don't have this thing taken care of. Like, I'm the guy you call for that. Like, I will take care of it to the fucking detail, whatever the instructions are. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's me. So this is silly, but I was, we were, we're getting ready to go on this vacation trip and we're filling out you know paperwork and stuff and it's list your emergency contact all the kids list me (laughs) (laughs) i was proud of that (laughs) i was like because i list my wife and they all list me (laughs) so why do we want to be this person that uh inspires others to trust us what is it about us that enjoys that because i love it too i'm like yeah yeah, i'm the guy you can fucking count on i'm reliable um as we were thinking about or as I was thinking about this episode leading into it, I thought, gosh, I probably really don't trust anyone, Ooh. you know, all the way. Like, mm-hmm. there's no one I trust all the way. Um, and, and for myself, I look at that as a character defect. I don't huh. look at that really? as an asset. Yeah, it's it's not a good thing. Um, what I find most of the time is what I'm fearful of or scared of usually isn't like the risk isn't worth the reward it's mm. like it's i'm going to benefit more by being open and honest about a feeling or a thought or a relation you know a relationship like i intellectually know that i'm going to benefit more but the uncomfortableness of the intimacy and vulnerability is too much sometimes <laughs> it's you know i don't know that i so i've had this thought earlier in my marriage and i'm kind of trying to reevaluate it now but like thinking of this idea of like if i was in this situation my head's going to be chopped off i need somebody to take care of this you know six step plan to the letter and my father had passed away and like he I'm like, I don't have that person anymore. He's who I would call. Like, Mm -hmm. that motherfucker would have done it to the letter. Like, that's just who he was. And I don't feel like I have that person. And I'm trying to reevaluate now. I'm like, I I still don't know exactly like you said. Like, I don't know if I have that 100% faith in anybody. And I don't. Is that a defect, though? Like, people are fallible. Like, I fuck shit up. It's not like I like to think I'm this totally reliable guy, but I, I mess stuff up. Yeah, so in that context, I don't know that it's necessarily a defect. But, I mean, in my life in general, like, I want to be more trusting and more open and transparent about who I am. So why, getting back to your original question, like, why do I want to be a person that people trust is because i don't feel like i've ever had that person in my life like growing up as a young person i always felt like it's all up to me and i can't count on anybody because fucking they're gonna let me down and when you let me down i'm gonna be fucked and then i gotta deal with a mess that i didn't create and it's gonna be your fault you know that's sort of that's how it sort of goes in my head Mm -hmm. so I don't ever want to be that person. I want to be the person that people can count on and rely on and depend on to get shit done. If you ask me to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to show up, you know, be the dependable, reliable, trustworthy person. So maybe that doesn't take us into understanding trust so much uh, or, or how to practice it or how to cultivate it or whatever. But I do think there's something really important in there in the sense of, by that example, which I think is is very valid because I feel like there was some of that in my life too. Like I can't rely on my peers. I definitely felt that. Maybe this uh, 
not having trust, right? This lack of trust, distrust. I want to call it untrust. I don't know why, but distrust. Is it distrust and then untrustworthy? Why? Why wouldn't it be distrustworthy or (laughs) untrust? Yeah, that's fucking weird. Anyway, I'm wondering if that led to a lot of the disconnection from society. Oh, yeah, I think 100%. Yeah, so that seems really valid, especially as much... Again, I, I don't ever want to say like connection is the answer to addiction or anything like that, <laughs> right. but I do think it's a huge part, right? When we're connected and a part of something, you know, we say, or at least they say a lot in the 12 step, like the, the personal accountability to something, you know, you join this home group, you get a service position to remain accountable. I feel like that has a lot to do with trust and connection too. So yeah, maybe this, uh, lack of ability in our early years to find these trustworthy figures led us to not want to be connected. We were like, I can't connect because to connect is to be vulnerable and and in a dangerous place. Yeah. And, you know, as addicts, like we're so self-centered, we believe that we can do everything on our own. I can handle everything. I can figure it all out. I don't need anyone for anything. And that is a, an untruth, you know. I don't know if I That's call it a lie. It's an untruth. I see that in reverse. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that it's like we were so self-centered we thought we could handle it all on our own. I think we defaulted when we just were so scared of relying on anyone else to the fact that there's no other choice but to do it alone. It is way too scary. To involve other people in this. I don't think it's a selfish thing. I think it's a fear. Well, what I figured out later in life, and again, through step work, was that no one is perfect. And yeah. if I'm holding everyone to this standard of I can only trust them in perfection, I'm never going to find that person. You know what I mean? Like, I'm never going to. Because even me being a person who feels like I'm incredibly dependable and reliable has still fucking forgot or fucked something up yeah. probably this month. Probably this week, yeah. you know, because my level of commitment to being the most trusting person is based on how important I think this thing is that you're asking me to do, you know. <laughs> and if it's, you know, check your mail while you're on vacation, ah, I might forget, you know, a day mm. or two. But if it's, you know, feed your dog, it's probably going to be a little more important. If it's watch your baby, eh, it's going to be a little more important, you right. know. So, uh learning that everyone is fallible and everyone makes mistakes and then looking at myself and like being even when I did love someone and I did care about them and they were really important to me and then still forgetting something or letting them down doesn't mean I don't love them which is the story I always told myself you know if people let me down they don't love me nobody loves me nobody cares about me I'm all alone Mm. you know and so learning that no people can love and care about you and still make mistakes because mistakes are what humans do you know then I can learn to like and again it takes a little bit of uh judgment on what who you can trust with what but you know, learning to trust people in different ways in different areas of our lives. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I, I'm trying to wrap my head around this idea still of like the fear of not being able to trust others leading me to want to do everything myself and how backwards that is because like I actually could trust myself for a long time to get it wrong. <laughs> so it was, 
it was kind of strange the fact that like I'm scared other people are going to screw up things or or leave me hanging, but I left myself hanging and I knew I was going to leave myself hanging, but I was still rely on me even though I knew it was going to go bad. Right. It's like uh I don't know. That just seems so ass backwards now looking at it from that line of thinking like if i'd have left things in other people's hands yeah they'd have forgot some shit but i'd have probably still been way right, better off been than better. i was well and the other thing that i have found through my recovery you know journey has been that sometimes the people that you can count on in situations weren't the fucking people that you thought you could count on at all Mm. and people that you would have never put in a list of like, hey, this is a person I really think I can count on are people that will show up mm -hmm. in the worst of times. You know? you know, Caroline talked about that. We haven't uh, had her on for a while, but she talked about that when her when she went through a grief period for sure that it was people she didn't expect that were showing up for her and the people she did weren't. And that's weird. So what does that, does that tell us anything about like, who we pick to trust or does that just say things work out weird because who knows where people are in that point in their life during those times yeah and of course this is a pretty general i mean trust again it's another one of those things where it's so broad because it means so many different it can apply in so many different situations right. so there's the trust of i ask you to do something for me you know whether you're going to do it or not then there's the trust of like you're not going to steal from me when my back is turned, which is a little different kind of trust or the trust that I'm going to share some information with you and you're not going to tell someone else about it or you're not going to judge me for it. Like right. those are kind of very different applications of the same word. Yeah. But in general, this idea for me of trust and recovery has to do more with that last one that I talked about is that. Like what's what's most important in my recovery is that I find people or, or have people in my life that I can talk about things with and share information with that aren't going to like judge me and put me down that are going to be able to sort of keep my confidence so that they don't go out and like embarrass and humiliate me in front of other people um, because I might need to talk about some pretty uh, vulnerable things with those people. Mm -hmm. Um because the recovery meetings, I mean, I love recovery, but you're surrounding yourself with dishonest, you know, people that lie, cheat and steal for most of their lives. And just because we stop using drugs, that behavior doesn't go away and it doesn't always go away right away. You know, even in myself, you know, right. there was that period of time early in recovery. Like if someone in the store gave me too much change, I don't know if I'd have given it the fuck back. You know, I wasn't using drugs, but it was still like, hey, win for me, you know. <laughs> Whereas now that's like, no, I want to be, you know, a person of moral integrity. You know, I want to be a trusting person. So I'm going to do the right thing. When you when you say that, when you express like the way that you feel like trust affects you most in recovery, what that comes across like to me is like I can trust people with my safety, not necessarily like physical safety, right? You're not going to jump in front of a bullet for me, but I can trust you that you are not out to harm me in any way, right? I trust that I can come to you and be my authentic self, so to speak, or, or my wiser self or my inner me. And that's never going to be exposed or used against me in any way. Like you generally have my well-being at heart is what I'm trusting in. Like this concept that you are, you are safe for me. 
Yeah, and those like that I think is a critical element to have in recovery despite your audience. Mm. And so what I mean by that is I've went into meetings at times in a room full of people that I probably didn't know half of them or know half of them at least well and shared some pretty intimate and vulnerable things um, out of just a – I'm going to say need. I know it's not necessarily a need, but just a need to get it off my chest, to, to vent it, to let go of it, to whatever because I was struggling with it. And the trust isn't that none of those people are ever going to tell someone or not that they're going to talk about it, whatever. Like in the moment, I don't care. But what's important is that I can have a place or or a person – that I can just let that go too and trust that I'll be okay or that I'll be safe. Hmm. Yeah. So maybe in that sense, the trust that we're really cultivating isn't necessarily trust in anyone else. You know, it's nice that we, we do have these levels of trust with people that, that we think they have our best interest at heart. But more of the trust that we need is just the trust that it's going to be okay. Like at the end of it all, no matter what, we're we're going to be okay. Yeah. Or it's like, okay, so let's say I'm struggling with something, you know, like let's say it's a personal issue, like my kids being abused or whatever. Like, is it more important that I share that and then, you know, just be able to get whatever relief I can get from that? Maybe some supporting words from someone in the meeting or that I'm so guarded that I'm like, well, I'm not going to talk about that because so-and-so might talk about it to their friend after the meeting and say, I'm a bad parent. Mm. Well, that might fucking happen, but what's more important? You know what I mean? Like, is it more important that I talk about that and possibly get the help or that I live in this fear place that someone might possibly do something with that information to hurt me? And Mm. so I developed this, you know, the idea of trust, like I got to believe or choose to believe that, you know, sharing it and talking about it and getting it out and opening myself up for help is better than the danger of what someone might do with that information that could potentially hurt me. You know, thinking back to that polyvagal theory episode we did, uh, just because I, you know, I, did some training on that. And uh, I try to examine the world through that lens sometimes just to see how it fits. And, you know, if we think about our nervous system in these different states of uh, arousal, so to speak, you know, there's the, the nice top of the ladder, like ventral, I feel safe and, and calm and connected with the world. And then the other two places on the ladder, the sympathetic nervous system action of fight or flight or the, the dorsal, uh, parasympathetic nervous system reaction of, you know, freeze, they're survival states. And I really feel like it's going to be impossible to gain any level of trust that I will be okay in a survival state, right? Like I'm already in a place where I feel like even if my life situation doesn't look like it, my body is no different than the caveman's body who's running from a bear, right? There's no way I can have a level of trust that I am okay from a survival place. It just doesn't seem even possible. So it's nice to say, well, we have to, you know, gain this level of trust or look to this level of like, you know, you know, what do we call it? Like acting as if, you know, I'll act as if I trust and then hopefully things work out and it proves itself right. It's hard to say that somebody else should do that when I'm like, well, what if their nervous system is always in this state of survival? They'll never be able to do it. 
Yeah, and it, I mean, of course, I go back to sort of NA literature because that's where my brain goes all the time. But it's like these principles come slowly over a period of time. Like we pick up the information as we, you know, do the steps and like, you know, my relationship with my sponsor, let's say. When I picked my very first sponsor, I don't fucking know if I could trust the guy. I knew him for like two weeks, three weeks. Like I met him, I come in off the streets and stop using drugs. He had a couple of things that looked appealing. So I picked him to be a sponsor. At that moment, I wasn't ready to share my fifth step with him. You know what I mean? I probably would have not. And if I would have done it at that point, it would have sucked because there would have been a lot of information that I would not have been willing to divulge. But over time, we built a relationship, you know, which is maybe a a credit to the slow way that we sometimes do steps in this area or in our fellowship. But, you know, we started working that first step and it might have built from, hey, I see you at some meetings and we talk and I see what you're about. You know, I get to know you a little bit as a human being. And then, you know, we talk about some things. I talk about my addiction and my using in my first step. And I talk about, you know, my second step, my belief in God. Like those things are a little bit revealing, but not anything shocking. You're usually not going to hear much in a first or second step that you're like, holy fuck, dude, you are in trouble. Like, (laughs) at least not my experience. Maybe some people have had that experience. But most of the time in a first and second, you know, step as you're working with people, But you're like building that relationship. You know what I mean? You're showing that person, hey, I'm here to hear your ideas, however weird or crazy you might think they are. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be supportive, hopefully. I'm going to be supportive. I'm going to be empathetic. I'm going to take out of my time to make time for you to show you that like you're important and that you matter and that your recovery is important and I support you in this journey you know and hopefully that's the kind of sponsor that i'm being so that by the time we get to these more intimate uh steps that require this more intimate level of trust that we've built that over time Mm. yeah i could see that i I think you know early on it was just trusting that the program might work can you trust in a might (laughs) <laughs> yeah right right like I think a, that's called hope <laughs> okay maybe that's what it was uh but yeah. but more trusting like hey these people used and felt the way i did and now they're living something different right so that was like the original trust i think it was just oh my god like they've been the places i've been they're talking about it the same feelings the same ways means and yet here they are and they're doing something different so trusting in more that this process might work for me too, because again, trusting in might, maybe yeah. I'm hoping, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but just, you know, that was the original trust. And like you said, building on it over time Well, I've shared this with him and, but I guess I wonder, so maybe from that stance, do we trust others before we start to trust in this idea that we'll be safe no matter what? <sighs> so for, like for myself, that the struggle is that I don't know, even now that I trust that I'll be safe no matter what and where that impacts me, you know, again, back to the recovery version of trust that I'm using here is that there are things, ideas, thoughts, feelings that I have that I, let's say in my marriage or in my sex life that I won't share with my wife Mm. because I, you know, in my head, it's weird. It's, not good it's unhealthy or whatever reason you know so i won't share things with her um what are those things that can be (laughs) um you know like 
at face value, like I think that's detrimental to my marriage. I would hope that I could be open and trusting and vulnerable with this person. Like I believe that that improves that quality of that relationship, being able to do that. For me, it, it, it's not as exciting as it might sound. It's more things. No of drafts like, involved? Yeah. <laughs> it usually has more to do with like fears that I have or, you know, things where I'm struggling like, oh my gosh, I might not be enough in mm. this area. Oh my mm. gosh, I might not know how to fix this problem. Oh man, I don't know what we're going to do about this, you know, or, or these internal things that I'll tell myself. And, you know, what it, I create a false sense of myself that I'm presenting in the relationship because I'm unwilling to be honest about how I'm actually feeling or what I'm thinking at a moment. Have you ever thought, what if she does that? Does that hurt you in any way? Do you feel harmed by the idea that maybe she has things that she doesn't share with you? Does she feel harmed by that? Well, or? I'm just curious if you would in that position. Like if, if she has stuff, like if she was on a podcast right now talking to her co-host and she was like, man, there's these things I don't feel like I can share with my husband, whatever. If you heard that, would that make you feel like you were harmed? Like would that make you feel worse? I don't know that it would make me feel harmed. Um, I mean, everything in our relationship, and I don't know if this is healthy or not, but most things I look at is like, well, then I need to do a better job at fixing it. You know what I mean? Now, this is an area where I don't, maybe there are some things she could do to make me feel safer, but I tend to believe it's more me than it is her because right. she is a person that will share intimately about stuff like that. Um, she's actually probably someone who's opened me to that kind of stuff. Like I went through most of my life thinking, man, there's just a level of shit that I don't ever say out loud that goes on in my head because people will think I'm fucking crazy or need to be institutionalized. You know, like that's like, I think crazy shit sometimes. <laughs> and most of my life has been, again, from my upbringing is like, well, there's just things you don't talk about, you know what mm. I mean? And those are things, and it might be things around sex, you know, because again, I was raised Catholic, Catholic school, you know, sex is whatever, missionary with no other weird things, and anything else is like perverse and weird and going to hell. You guys like, don't have a sheet between your bodies where you cut a <laughs> hole in it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but trying to get... Like just being honest about some of that sometimes is has been difficult over the years. I mean, I've definitely gotten better. You know, mm -hmm. recovery's helped me to look at some of that and own what I can. But what I mean is, you know, a lot of times, at least in our situation, the fact that I don't trust, that's where it gets back to. The fact that I don't trust, I look at more as a character defect because I don't think it's anything she's doing or it's not her thing. It's me just with this ingrained fear of someone's going to hurt me, someone's going to take advantage of me, and so I don't trust that trust is going to work out for me. Mm. <laughs> like, I don't trust that it's going to lead to a better place in our relationship and that it's going to make things better. The fear is, oh my God, this is going to cause her to not love me or leave me mm. or go away. Well, to normalize some of that for you, as a therapist, I can tell you that many people don't, and probably most humans never find a comfortable place to talk about sex, <laughs> whether that's with friends, their partners, or anybody. Because I hear all kinds of wild stories in therapy sessions, uh, probably only due to the confidentiality factor. Right. But yeah, I mean, spending hours talking about penis sizes and vulvas and wetness, and <laughs> it's like, oh my God, what the hell did I get myself into? I had no idea that 
It's such a taboo topic. We right. we don't have an open place to talk and express thoughts and ideas and feelings about sex. And it's so uncomfortable for our society to do it. Um, oh, not, it's so bad for me sex, because I'm, I mean, one, I'm terrible at it and I have all this. Uh, terrible at sex? No, not oh. that part. I have four kids. But <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that uh, I have such a, what do they call that, modesty. Like, I'm so modest uh, about even talking about it just from my upbringing and stuff. Right. But on the flip side of that, like, Jen's really open about talking about things and actually does training in recovery that's called sexual health and recovery, where they talk like they have a class it's like open communications about sex stuff and i'm just like oh my god i would be in that class my face would be fucking beat red <laughs> i would like not want to answer any questions you know like so she's a person who's not only is she open to it but she's actually doing it on somewhat of a regular basis mm -hmm. so she's even getting comfortable at it and i am so uncomfortable <laughs> i'm gonna prescribe exposure therapy uh <laughs> you're invited to my next orgy oh really. okay great no. At least the new beach, something. Uh, well, and that well it brings up an interesting uh, question for me is like, do things like therapy or meetings create like a false sense of trust or is that real trust? Like hmm. the fact that someone comes in, meets you for what, three or four sessions and then is talking to you about some kind of sex stuff. I, They probably don't know anything about intimately about you and your life, whether you're a right. person that's even worthy of their trust. <laughs> But you're in this professional setting, mm -hmm. so it creates a trust. Well, there there is uh, some ethical boundaries, like my license could be on the line if I were to go anywhere or share their information with anyone. Um, for some people, I do think there is that, you know, session one, two, three, or four conversation about that. And, and I think that trust is built on the establishment of the therapy environment, not so much me. But for other people, it's definitely like session, you know, 48. Right. We're talking First about First couple that. sessions, I'll share some minor crazy yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some people do build more of that, that rapport with me before they're comfortable diving into that. Um, and, and there's people who, you know, we've seen each other for a year now and we're still not. Like if I were to bring that up, that would still be like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. What do you mean? Never going to be there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not. This episode has been brought to you in part by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Going back to where you said, I'm still not sure I trust that I'm going to be okay. That brings up so many different 
directions for me or ideas, right? So when I think about the idea of truly believing I'll be okay no matter what, right? The most tragic, horrible circumstances, I will find peace afterwards, right? Losing my family or something. I just off the top of my head, that seems pretty fucking tragic and awful at the top of my list. What is the ability to actually have that level of trust? That and and you know I'm not trying to criticize here, but this or label or judge, but like that, I feel like that's like Buddhist monk level of <laughs> trust, right? Like everything will be okay no matter what. That's like a to me that's almost having no fear or or the ability to walk through any fear, which is interesting to me so this is where it takes me i've always thought like love is the opposite of fear right so is trust love because that feels like that level of trust that i'm just going to be safe no matter what is like the the counter action to the idea that i'll be okay and i can walk through any fear did i take it too is that too much of a stretch or no and uh, where's jenny our buddhist speaker yeah. for this but like i my understanding of like all spiritual principles are based in a state of love. Like they all come from that state of love. If you aren't there, it's hard to, you know, that's what they're based in is the attitude of love. Um, and sort of character defects are based out of fear, you know, their reactions to fear. So I guess I don't know how to answer your question exactly, yeah, but yeah, it's, I mean, they come from a place of love. So they're, they need love as a foundation, but they're mm. a little different. Or they maybe love encompasses all of them. <laughs> huh. You know, I'm almost wondering from that aspect: could character? I mean, could spiritual principles coming from a place of fear be detrimental? Like, could we trust from a place of fear? Is that a thing? Is it like trusting someone because I'm too scared not to, or something like that? Like, almost like a codependency. Well, that's where like that's. <laughs> I feel like, and I would have to analyze this a little more, but I feel like that's almost a little bit of a, I'm going to say like a word soup or like manipulation uh, of words because that would, to me, would be hope. Like that's what hope uh, is. It's like, I'm not sure, but I'm going to do this because I trust that the outcome is going to be good. Like, so that's more hope than it is. Or desperation. Trusting in fear. Yeah. Like I feel like trusting out of fear is like desperation almost. Yeah. Yeah counting on something huh. just based out of my f yeah that's really uh, yeah gets now i'm deep. starting to wonder are there actual different spiritual principles and character defects or is this all just i'm living out of fear or i'm not <laughs> well the way i understood most of like character defects are overblown you know like assets or overblown spiritual Traits. principles. So, yeah. So it's like any of these are on a spectrum. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's dangerous to just trust everyone all the time in every situation, no matter what, you'll probably end up dead or ripped off or whatever. You Sounds know? foolish. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like you said, when the person sent the message earlier that they're horny, it's yeah. probably smart to not trust that person. You know, that's, uh. You, you think they stole my credit card when I called them last night? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, that's a case where, like, you don't just trust it. Oh, this person must be being on. Like, that's a defect. Like, that's not an asset to just trust everyone all the time, no matter what. That wasn't trust. That was ego. I was just yeah. sure they were definitely horny looking oh. at me. <laughs> looking at you. 
So it but, had to be real. You know, so they're all on a spectrum. So to any one side or the other is a detriment or, or can be a detriment. I mean, we don't just do them haphazardly. Mm. And that's where, like, coming into recovery, hopefully we learn, as we talked about in the beginning, like, who we can trust with what. You know, right. there are people like I have told people like I wouldn't recommend walking into a meeting and sharing certain things. There's people that have shared stuff with me that I'm like, I would be careful sharing that in a meeting because, mm. you know, not everybody's at the same level with not talking about each other. And that sounds like something intimate, intimate that could be very hurtful. Like, right. You just got to be careful with what you're sharing <laughs> with who. Mm. Um, so. I don't recommend anyone just have this blind faith in whatever 12 step meeting that they can just go in and say whatever they want and that someone in there isn't going to hurt them with that information. You mentioned earlier, uh, you felt like your ability to see that you weren't always reliable or you were imperfect helped you trust. I think you said that because you, you saw that other people were fallible and that doesn't mean that you can't trust. Like you don't yeah. need to trust imperfection. And, and really looking at that, I feel like it was step six and looking at my own character defects. That was kind of my first glimpse because I had this uh, defense mechanism, I would say, or way of living that it was like I thought I was perfect. And I looked at every situation from an angle that made it look like I didn't do it wrong. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like it was somebody else's fault all the time. Uh, and so it was almost six where I was able to see that I wasn't perfect for the first time. So if that's what it took to lead me to a deeper level of trust, I would have not had it for five. That's for sure. Like it was after that, that I kind of gained that ability to see that we were all including myself fallible. Well, in five, I believe my trust was in the process of recovery, hmm. not a hundred percent in my sponsor specifically. Although okay. at least because so my fifth step and this Good. I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking of this earlier. Um, my fifth step, I didn't share everything about myself in my fifth step with my sponsor. Really? What I was told, it was that you just needed to make sure you shared all of it with another human being. So by the time I was done, everything that was in there, I had shared with another human being. But that was not all my sponsor. There were some things that I had talked to my wife about, which was, wasn't my wife at the time, but there were things that I had shared with her that I didn't share with him or things that other people knew about me, you know, that I had shared with other people that I didn't share with my wife or him. Huh. So it wasn't necessarily important that all my trust be put into this one person. That's that backward ass Cecil County version of recovery. <laughs> Must be. I don't know. <laughs> huh. That's fascinating. You know, it was always said in the meetings where I was from that like that was a possibility like oh you know you could share that with a priest if you really wanted to it doesn't have to be your sponsor blah 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 nobody actually did it like <laughs> and it was it was kind of like said with a wink like you could share it with other people wink wink <laughs> right but don't be a weirdo like that uh so yeah it was always just you know it was assumed your sponsor was well, let the me go just break all the cliches um you can 13th step it does work <laughs> there we go uh you can get relationships in your first year uh you don't need a quote-unquote god to recover like let's what other ones can we fuck up <laughs> yeah yeah just uh like, hook all up this with misinformation that you get from good-hearted people <laughs> Hook up with somebody with a lot of recovery. I trust in the steps and the process, not it's the individual. It's sexually transmitted. <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> Just lay next but to them and get it. 
no, I mean, now I would say I'm at a place in my life now where when I do my next fifth step with like, if assuming it's with my current sponsor, there probably isn't anything. I can't think of anything right off the top of my head that I wouldn't share with him, but that has way more to do with me and where I'm at than him and who he is. Although he's a good, trustworthy person. I'm not saying that it just i'm at a place in my life where i feel safer and that you know i do feel like i i do trust more now in the process of openness and Hmm. vulnerability than i would have back then because you feel safer or you feel more of the ability to i'll be okay no matter what happens with this maybe not with anything in life but with this like whatever take it put it on a billboard fuck it i'm safe. yeah and i've my philosophy on life has changed a little bit too like whatever happens is sort of meant to happen or it's happening for some i don't want to say reason but it's like it it is what it is mm. so what do i want to do about it like it is what it is. yeah this <laughs> Uh, someone violates my trust and tells my wife something that I told them. Well, maybe that's for the best. Like now we can use this as a growth opportunity because Ooh. the truth is I probably should have shared that with her in the beginning and it would have been better, hmm. you know, maybe not, but well. it kind of brings me to the idea. The one thing I was thinking about, how would we cultivate trust? How would we practice the spiritual principle of trust if we were going to practice it? And what I came up with the only thing that really jumped out to me was this idea that the more I become a guy who lives as a reliable person, the more willing I am to trust that other people are, you know, we used to, uh, used to have to pay for a ride in Baltimore. Like most guys who were using, didn't have the means to have a car. So you would stand out on falls road (laughs) and you would wait for what they called a hack, right? And you would pay your $5 hack ride money and they would take you over the road and they would, you know, load up the car. It was usually somebody who was also involved in going over. Right. They were trying to make an extra 20 bucks filling their car up, the other four seats. And sometimes, so say there were six people waiting and only four people could get in the car, you know, somebody would take the money for the other people. I'll pick your stuff up for you. And you could tell who would burn you for sure because they would never give you their money. You'd be like, hey, look, I'll pick up your pill for you to get well, right? And they're like, no, no, no. And then they were coming from a place of they know what they would do if you handed you, them your $10. Mm. They weren't coming back with your pill, so they didn't trust. And, and that wasn't universal, right? There's right. probably some other factors. It was a really high importance to get well that day, so they weren't trying to take right. any chances. I get it, right? Control freaks. Yeah. Can't wait for you to get back. I got to... But but definitely this idea of like, if when you're not a trustworthy person, you're not going to have the willingness or or the ability to think anyone else is, you're going to, we default to assuming everyone else is like us. And so if I am not living in a trustworthy manner, if I'm not reliable with anything, I'm going to believe nobody else is either. So I feel like the way, one way I have been able to increase my level of trust is just the fact that I live different. And the more I live different, the more I'm willing to trust that other people might come in from that same place. Yeah. And that I am a person of integrity. Like I am a person that like I mean what I say and I say what I mean and I take most people to be the same way. The difference now is I don't rate people's shortcomings or failures or 
uh, not following through or mistakes, whatever, as some reflection of myself. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that's, I guess, what I've learned is that because someone does something and makes a mistake, that's not directly a reflection of me. Sometimes it can be, but usually it's not. Usually it has way more to do with them and some defect or some shit going on with them than right. it has to do with me. So when someone violates my trust or tells another person something about me or talks about me behind my back, like I've learned that's usually their shit, not mm -hmm. mine. Gotcha. You know, I'm just trying to picture. So I, my boss, the owner of the therapy practice, she presents herself as really giving a shit about people and caring about the community and like a person who would self-sacrifice for the greater good and that's how she presents herself and i just feel like if i would have met her in my first couple years of my recovery journey i'd have been like there's something she's full of shit right she's got an angle this is right. the card she plays to get things or whatever but like today i trust it like I, I have the ability to, and granted, you know, I'm, I mean, my eyes are open. If I ever saw something to the contrary, I would, I would probably reevaluate that, but there's an ability to trust that like, maybe that's real because that's kind of how I live. I don't know if I'm quite there yet, yeah. but. And you do see over time, you see that with people in recovery as well. Like we all know the people that come in and share real good and then they're out doing all kinds of shady shit Stop on the side or, you know what I mean? They're talking about living spiritual principles and whatever name the thing stealing from their job or extramarital affair or Going to whatever their girlfriend's house on the way home to their wife <laughs> yeah you know or picking up newcomers in the meeting like all the stuff that when they have a relationship <laughs> yeah it's like all the stuff that you see you know like those things do exist but then there are people who are genuinely consistently people that like show up at meetings and when you see them you know they're the the way that they share or at least the close to it i mean again we all make mistakes um i just brag a little bit about myself like i've been a person that for whatever reason people that i'm not necessarily close with will randomly call me and be like hey i'm going through this thing usually it's a relationship thing where that they don't want to talk about openly in a meeting um and people feel like they can trust me and i like to think it's because i don't do any of that shit like i try to be a pretty straight shooter not that i don't go in meetings and talk about areas i've made mistakes and fucked up and even in recovery you know mistakes i've made but i think that i'm a person of integrity like i mean what i say and i say what i mean and if you ask me not to say something i'm gonna really try not to say something you know <laughs> like i've learned those practices hmm. principles i guess interesting but i've been on the other side of that i had a sponsor that violated my trust with a friend of ours we were talking about something and he went and told this other person Ooh. it was something we were talking about about his wife and he went and told them wow um yeah it's pretty shitty and he ended up i mean it created some animosity in our relationship for a minute with me and the other guy and i what i don't even remember exactly what it was I, you know it, it was something like because it wasn't like a mistruth it was just an opinion about something or a way that i felt about something right. someone was doing and uh you know i felt bad and i felt like i needed to fix that but then you know my sponsor at the time had come to me and said hey man i did this i'm really sorry like it just it kind of happened and as soon as i did it i knew it was wrong and i made a mistake and i'm really sorry mm. and that was enough like i was like okay you know what i mean i get it like i didn't sabotage that relationship we still remained close and 
You know, like he just fucked up. Like it happens, you know. I'm sure they were in a conversation about something, something close to that topic came up and this thing just came out before he probably really thought, you know, how that might look on me. And uh that's, you know, shit happens, man. Everything's again. Everything's not always about me. I don't know that he ran right out and went, "Oh, I'm going to go tell this other friend this thing to sabotage the relationship." That's interesting. I I had a a situation. Uh, God, I'm really telling it myself here. So I had a sponsor. We had gone over a four step. Um, he knew my dirt. He knew that I had stepped outside of my relationship and uh, came to light a while later. Uh, one of the things that I did not put on my four step, obviously, was that I, I had slept with his wife. Mm -hmm. um, and he took the information from my fourth step back to my girlfriend and told her all these girls I had messed with mm. and then tried to sleep with her. And I don't know, I, I wasn't too mad about it, but mostly cause I felt like, Oh, I kind of had that coming. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. And, and what, but you sharing that kind of made me wonder, like, not that what I did was right or, or, you know, maybe in a worldly human sense. Yeah. Maybe I did have it coming, whatever. But like, was that the wrong view of me to have of that? Like, should I have just taken on all the blame for that? That's kind of, I don't know. Something about that doesn't seem right either. No, like, he I don't still think he should have. No, he shouldn't have done trust. that at all. Even no. if I did, you right. know, violate his. Yeah, it's like the old two wrongs don't make a right, you know, yeah. just because I did something wrong. And again, in that situation, what I said was wrong. I shouldn't have said what I said or, you know. Well, and but, how did he not know he was my sponsor and he was a guy who stepped out of his marriage? Like, obviously, right. he was my sponsor for a reason. <laughs> right. It was attraction. <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, we just all, we all aren't perfect, you know, and, and people are going to make mistakes. And the truth is, I, I mean, at least in your case, you stayed clean through it, nope. right? No, not nope. through that. Nope. Oh. Yeah. that uh, Everybody involved in that went out and used. Yeah. yeah pretty... Now, did that. I mean, you felt like that was a part of it. Like, did that push you out of meetings or? Uh, I I really hard don't to tell. Know. Yeah, too yeah, many was... too many variables. Well, Probably didn't that's... help. That's for yeah, sure. Definitely, <laughs> you know, the the shame, the guilt, the alienation, or ostracization. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> Is how that you a word. Ostracized. <laughs> yeah, from my home group and, and all those kind of things and my recovery network. I mean, I I got another sponsor. I continued to work steps. I continued to hit six meetings a week, but. At some point, using sounded good. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I'm sure it contributed in some way, shape, or form to it. But, you know, you, like your theory, it is what it is. It had to happen. It led me to where I am. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, th those things are all learning experiences. I think sometimes, and again, it's the way that I've had to make sense of bad situations that have happened in my, re happened in my recovery. But it's like life just sort of happens to all of us. Mm. You know what I mean? And it doesn't need to be. Like, or I choose not to focus on who's at fault and the whys and the hows and the whats, but it's like, okay, well, this is where we're at and what can I do going forward to try to make it better, improve, you know what I mean? Heal, whatever it is. Like, I, I can't undo what's already done. I can't, you know, take back something that I've done or undo something that someone else did. Like, I can just choose how I want to deal with it moving forward. Um... Yeah, fuck that. His wife was at fault. She yeah. had no business having boobies that big and calling me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's just no reason for that. Um, going into the, the science behind trust, there's a strong correlation uh, in what they believe 
I don't know about causation, but they believe to be heavily involved in the trust process is the chemical of oxytocin, right? We usually look at this as like the the bonding chemical between babies and moms. You know, it's one of those things produced during uh, sexual experiences. Uh, definitely in regard to, to women, men seem to have not as much sexual connection based in oxytocin mm. during sex, but that's, you know, some other societal issues probably. I don't think it just doesn't exist, <laughs> right? Um, but this is like that that bonding hormone or, or part of us. And so they've found ways to kind of measure the levels of oxytocin of people in trusting experiments with other people. And, and it was a weird experiment too. They like had people send money to another person and the amount of money they sent was based on the level of trust they had that when this person made money on that amount of money, they would send some back and look out for them. Hmm. Yeah, it was a really weird setup yeah. too. But they measured the oxytocin levels and the higher the oxytocin level, the more trusting and the higher amount of money they were willing to send. And also in the same for the person who was receiving, the the more oxytocin they had, the more they were actually willing to act in trust and send money back, which was super strange too. But then they boosted people's oxytocin levels with like a nasal spray of oxytocin. Yeah, say, but, uh, I know. And it led to more than double the amount of money being sent in both huh. directions. And so there is a chemical process associated with this idea of trust. It is like a, a measurable type thing. And that's kind of fascinating, right? So like maybe that has something to do. The level we're able to bond with people helps our ability to trust. So people oh, I who would bet. Yeah. don't feel connected to recovery, people who struggle to get plugged in, maybe people whose substance use has led them to be less socially inept or, or no, less socially adept, I guess is the opposite of inept. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I'm using words. I don't know <laughs> enough right now, but anyway, their lack of ability to socialize and bond and be a part of a recovery community, they're going to struggle a lot more to gain this level of trust. And it's like, well, what could we, how do we work with that? I mean, we look, I'm not trying to talk about anybody, but you know, the awkward person, right? Uh, like, how do you help them fit in when it's kind of uncomfortable for you to be around them? Yeah. Cause I feel like they need that trust too. Yeah. That's difficult. I mean, I, I, tend to just have a vague belief that most people find where they're comfortable you know like mm. i know that there are certain people that i meet and i connect with and i just like them and then there are certain people that i meet and i don't connect with and we have a hard time communicating you know just we're not in the same frequency i don't you know i don't know how to describe that but i think there's a frequency for everybody a group or a, a peer group which i think is the autonomy of meetings, you know, what makes that so great is that hopefully meetings have different identities and personalities and things like that. I immediately thought of the, like, the con artist people. Like, a lot of times they rely on relationships. They're charming. You know, yeah. Or just to reach out. Like, they're preying on lonely and vulnerable people a lot of times that are, you know, on the internet looking for a relationship because there's some inadequacy at home or in themselves and this person you know oh i love you i'm gonna come be your bride from wherever i am in africa and you know you can come see me and i'll come see you and just send me a couple thousand dollars and it'll be great you know that's i guess they're relying on that oxytocin level going yeah up. yeah they're boosting people's trust levels um so just looking at, at some of the minor research it says 
Shadow of doubt lingers over every decision to trust, but you can do a lot to release that, reduce that doubt. Step one, know yourself, right? And knowing yourself, you're going to be able to figure out who you are and what level of trust you need to some extent, right? Like what level of trust you want to put into other people. And I think it goes back to that idea we were talking about, like the more I'm a trustworthy person, the more I'm going to default to thinking that other people at baseline probably are too. You know, they probably have good intentions too, which I think we've talked about on previous episodes when we talk about anything that has to do around the political arena or it goes that way. We kind of have this baseline of assuming others are like evil or out to get us. And right. So it's like, no, I, I can't trust that any decision is for the good of all. It's got to be about me and what's mine and don't take anything from me because I need all that instead of trusting that like we're all going to have enough. Right. Uh, you know, another part says rule two is start small. You don't want to obviously jump into it. Going back to your idea of the way our steps kind of work in a slow manner of building up that trust. Yeah, I think there's a whole different conversation around like financial trust or, or monetary trust and who you give your money. Like that's a whole different thing. I think that's unrelated to recovery. <laughs> like it's almost the opposite. Like if you're going into trusting someone with your money or your finances or investments, you want to do some work, <laughs> like, you know, you don't just want to go up to the guy in the meetings like, Hey, I've been playing the stock market for a couple months. I'm getting pretty good at it. You want to give me your retirement? <laughs> like, you know, that's not the trust we're talking about, at least not that I'm talking about in recovery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I still don't know exactly, though, how I would tell people if somebody came to me and said, man, I, I'm struggling with trust. I don't know what suggestions I would necessarily give them beyond those two that we just kind of mentioned to say, this is how you practice that in your life. Like, I think really, and, you know, I hate to take it all back to our nervous system, but like me having a calm centered nervous system is going to help people around me feel more calm and centered even if for short moments of time and the ultimate goal is to increase those moments of time that they can have the ability to feel that and so like maybe that's where my role in a recovery community would be to be just a calm trusted centering voice right? A person who is reliable, who shows up and like just that action is going to help others feel that in the community. Like if we can build the community around that vibe of like connection and care and concern and looking out for people's best interest in some way, maybe having less opinions about what's good for people and just showing up and trying to be supportive no matter what. Um, I guess that's going to help them feel that level of safety that that trust can come from. Yeah. And just understanding that it does take time to build trust with whether it's the program, whether it's an individual, you know, in a relationship like mm. it does just take time. It, these things aren't just things that we come in, walk in the door and like, yeah, I trust that this is going to be, you know, because in for me in the beginning, they say all this stuff and I'm. Only now I'm saying I'm getting to understand it a little bit when they would say, oh, it's a life beyond your wildest dreams. I'm mm. like, man, that's bullshit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to me, that was a bullshit. That right. just wasn't true. Um, I could imagine a lot of good things in my yeah. life and recovery has not been beyond that. <laughs> like, I was going to be a rock know. star on a yacht with chicks and bikinis. Yeah. That was my yeah. early and, version. <laughs> you know, I, having trust in this process of recovery has 
really just been trial and error. You know, I've tried some things. I've seen what hasn't worked. I've tried some other things, found out what has worked. And that's what I learned to trust in, you know, my experience and what's worked for me and what's happened over time. And that's why, like, I continue to find my way back to meetings and the steps and a sponsor in that process, because my experience has been that when I do that, my life gets better. Mm. You know, it's that trust in that. I understand for some people that may not be their experience and they may not have that trust and they may decide, oh, I need something more. I need something different. I need something beyond that. And that's cool, too. You know, it doesn't mean I can't trust in this process because it doesn't work for someone else. I can still trust in it because it works for me. And going back to that idea we, we kind of came to about honesty, I think it is also that level of like trust as a balance, right? I don't want to be, if I'm not trusting enough anywhere, I'm going to, it's going to lead to isolation probably and not, you know, being able to be vulnerable or connect to anybody. And yet if I trust everything too much, um, the Nigerian prince is going to have all my <laughs> right. bank account information, right? right? So like, I do need this level of, I, I should not go into, you know, my romantic relationship and 100% trust that individual has my best interest or doesn't have, even if it's not about my best interest, maybe they don't have their shit figured out well enough to not, you know, do things that harm me. Like I need to be open and look for the red flags and see these things. I can't just be all in like, nope. All right. It's Move her in after three months. We're great. <laughs> three months, three days. Uh, you know, I've, look, she's been held up at work all four nights this week, right? right. And doesn't get home till nine and her hair's a little messy and, like, right. you know, her, her underwear is sticky. It's, ah, she probably just has some weird stuff going on. <laughs> Send her to the OB or something. Like, you know, I, I don't want that 100% level of trust. It is something I build up over time to where it's like she hasn't, or he or she hasn't established, you know, hey, 15 years straight, they've been coming home and doing what they said they were doing. And right. now there's probably a whole lot more trust than there was in that first week. And that's how it's supposed to be. Well, and it's our misunderstandings of trust or how that's supposed to work. Because like I say, I would almost, you know, similar to what you're talking about in relationships. I would get into a relationship and think, hey, just because we went into this relationship means I can trust you unconditionally with anything, not looking at like, Anything to do with your history or the relationship around, you know, which we met, you know, mm -hmm. oh, we're both using drugs at a party and we went and banged out back. Yeah, that's great. Let's become boyfriend, girlfriend. Now I can trust you with right. all my shit. Here's my <laughs> like, debit card. <laughs> right. Like, wait a minute. We've known each other like 72 hours. You right, know, like that's right. not a foundation to build trust. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you can build trust there. It just it isn't there yet. Right. You know, it takes right. time. But. So I guess I, I don't know for whatever reason, and I don't even know if this is based in any real good uh, rationality in my head. I believe more in this idea of trust than I do in willingness or courage necessarily. And hmm. I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see the rest of the year if I tend to believe in, yeah. <laughs> in a principle or not. And maybe by the end of the year, I'll figure yeah. out why. And maybe asking like when you're in those situations, if you say you can't trust, like, well, who are you putting your trust in and what are you trusting them for? Right. Because that may help you find the person that you're looking for. Mm. I like it. So I trust that y'all will be listening next week and we will see you then. Have a good week. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. 
Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us.